0: So we are in part four of a four-part sermon series. If you're just joining us, and it's called "God Never Said That," and we've been looking at some common sayings that people will often say or even believe to be true, and we learned that God never said that. In part one, we looked at um, God wants me happy. In part two, we looked at God will will never give me more than I can handle. And then in part three, we looked at, um, it doesn't matter what you do. And we learned through those series that God never said that. So uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to hear those sermon series, we've had some great feedback. You can go to rockbrook.org and hear the audio online. Or back at the worship table, we have the CDs of those sermon series. I encourage you to pick that up. But today, we're going to look at one of the most... um, Relevant and culturally believed lies. This is so relevant and so commonplace in the world today. You may have heard it, you may have said it, and you may even believe it. And it goes something like this It really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere in your pursuit of God. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. And this just really feels good, doesn't it? It just feels good. Doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you are sincere. Chances are you're going to be okay. And this is what we call feel-good theology. It just feels good. And and we see this uh, often when people are talking to a friend, and they'll say, you know, uh, you're a good person. You're better than most. Chances are. You're going to be okay. But God never said that. And pastors see this all the time when preparing for funerals. I've seen this myself. A loved one will say, you know, they weren't uh, really a religious person. They didn't go to church much. uh, But they were a good person. They're in a better place now, and they're looking down on us from that better place. Grandma is in a better place, and she's looking down on us now. And i got to be real honest with you, my grandma has passed away, and there's a particular time in the morning when I'm taking my bathroom break, I don't want grandma looking down on me from her better place. I don't know about you. But how about this one? It doesn't matter what you believe, all roads lead to God. All religions are basically the same. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. So while preparing for this message, I heard a theory on reincarnation, and it goes like this, that whatever you really love now is is an indication of what you were like in a past life. So whatever you really, really love now is what you were in your past life. So I was Jesus? Man, I'm going in the wrong direction, right? Or I really, really love my wife, I was a woman named Jennifer. Jennifer? or I was a lounge chair on a beach in Mexico. Or better yet, I was a rapper. I love rap. So after thinking about this, um, I sincerely believe that I'm supposed to take my wife Jennifer to Mexico, find a lounge chair on a beach, and wait for a rapper to come by, share Jesus with him, and then I'll go to heaven. Right, That's how crazy this can get. Sometimes we can be sincerely wrong. But this is what happens when we build our belief on how sincere we are. And yet the common belief in our culture today, it doesn't really matter what you believe, as long as you are sincere. And here's what's interesting. Basic spirituality is not controversial. It's not controversial to believe in God. Watch any great uh, sporting event or music event, or Grammys, and you'll see people get up there and say, oh, you know, I give, I give all credit to God. You can watch somebody on a daily talk show, and they can talk about spirituality all day long. They can talk about a higher power all day long, and there's no controversy. When is there controversy? There is contra- That's right, there is controversy when somebody brings up the name of Jesus. You can talk about spirituality, all day long, you can talk about a higher power all day long, but the minute you bring up Jesus, everybody wigs out and gets bent out of shape. But here's what's interesting. Most people don't dispute the existence of Jesus. Even as critics don't dispute, don't dispute that Jesus was a real person, people love Jesus' teaching. I don't know anybody that does not love Jesus' teaching. I mean, love God, right? That's what we're talking about, love God, love other people, be generous, forgive those who hurt. I mean, his teaching is amazing. Most people don't dispute his existence, and most people um, love his teaching. So why does everybody get upset? Well, it falls basically on the exclusive claim of Jesus. It's the exclusive claim of Jesus, and we find it in Scripture. It's found in John 14, 6. Jesus said, help me out, I am the, I am the, I am the, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Boom, there it is. That's my wrapping for you. (laughs) But that statement sets Jesus apart from all other religions. It's the exclusive claim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. That sets Christianity apart in a massive way. So I want to talk to you uh, openly about world religions here for a little bit. But um, before we do, we have to acknowledge that no matter what you believe, that some of these religions may have similarities. Some of them may have things that sound really good, but they are not the same. We have to acknowledge that. And what's interesting is that when you look at the top world religions, they'll acknowledge Jesus. They'll acknowledge that he was a prophet, uh, that he was a spiritual teacher, that he performed good works, and even some of them will believe that he did perform some miracles. But they don't believe that he was God, and they don't believe that he could forgive sins. So I just want to point uh, point out some uh, high points of a few of the major world beliefs. Buddhism. Buddhism has no God. There is no final type of existence. Buddhists would believe in countless rebirth. The idea here is that the, that the soul is, is in a state of suffering because it's connected to the body. And then, so you are reborn, you're reborn, and you're reborn. You want to stop this cycle of rebirth, separating the soul from the body until you attain nirvana. Hinduism is also a series of rebirths, though it is a little bit different. Hinduism has an impersonal god, or I would say impersonal gods, and it is approached through many deities and idols and statues. And the idea here is that the soul separates itself from the body and attaches itself to one of these deities, and that's how it gains enlightenment. Buddhism and Hinduism do not offer the forgiveness of sin. They do not offer any supernatural help. What they believe in is karma. And karma simply means that if you do good things, good things are likely to happen. If you do bad things, bad things are likely to happen. Now, Muslims. Muslims worship Allah, an impersonal God. There are no, there are no secondary gods, and there's a total ban on all idols. If you are a Muslim, you are in good standing with God or Allah based on your religious devotion and your works. New Age, which is popular all over the world today, Uh, they have no belief in a God and they would believe that the idea here is you want to reach a state of a higher consciousness, being one with the cosmos or one with nature or one with the universe. Now let's look at Christianity. Christianity has a very personal God. Exposed to us through the love of, of God's Son, Jesus, He offers the forgiveness of sins and an eternal relationship with God. God's forgiveness of sin is not based on religious efforts of the believer, it's based on God's goodness, God's love for humanity. So we have to acknowledge that not all religions are this, are the same. All religions except Christianity start with works, not forgiveness. The idea is that you work and you work and you work at spiritual disciplines until you are able to read reach a state of being good enough. Christianity starts with salvation, starts with the forgiveness and the works follow. The works flow out of a heart of gratitude because of what God did for the believer on the cross and through the resurrections. Works are not a have to, they are a get to for a Christian. So when someone says it doesn't matter what you believe as, as long as you are sincere, any objective person would have to look at these religions and say, God never said that. They're not the same. But no matter what you believe today, I'm going to ask you to just consider Jesus today. Just consider Jesus. And please hear me out. I'm not asking you to consider Rockbrook Church. And I'm not going to ask you to consider a Christian denomination And I'm not going to ask you to consider a religion. I'm going to argue that Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to restore a relationship between God and humanity. So I'm not asking you to consider a religion. I'm also asking that you don't consider your past church experience. And I'm certainly not going to ask you to uh, consider the behavior of other Christians. Because if I'm just going to be real honest with you, You can be around one Christian or go to one church and those people can be really loving, real genuine, full of grace. And you would say, if this is Christianity, this has to be it. But then you can be around another Christian or another church and they can be bigoted, critical, cranky, judgmental, and you could think, wow, I don't want any of this. So I'm not asking you to consider the behavior of other Christians. All I'm asking you to do is to consider Jesus. And you decide for yourself about faith and eternal life. So um, I want to look at three aspects of Jesus today, and it's there on your outline. So if you're taking notes, I just first want you just to consider the mission and ministry of Jesus. And to do this, first I want to look at Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. It says... When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw Jesus. Now, the Pharisees, they were religious people of Jesus' day. These were the people who think they're good enough. And uh, they saw Jesus doing something very, very disturbing to them. Notice, he was eating with who? Who was Jesus eating with? Look at the verse. Sinners and sinners and tax collectors. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And what they're really saying is that no really righteous person would eat with those kinds of people. Those people are dirty. They're filthy. They're full of sin. And then in verse 17, we see Jesus' response. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Who needs a doctor? The sick. He said, I have not come to call those who think they're good enough. I have come for sinners. I have come for people like you and for people like me who just can't seem to get it right no matter how hard we try. So let's look at these next verses. They're there on your outline. And I would encourage you to circle uh, Jesus' mission in those verses. We're going to go through them. The first one says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Circle, to seek and to save. And Jesus answered, In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, is to testify to the truth. Circle that, to testify to the truth. And I have come that they may have life, circle they may have life. And I have come as a light to shine in the dark world, so circle light to shine in this dark world, so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. And then he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, circle that, preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because this is why I was sent. So Jesus came to seek and to save, to testify to the truth, to give us life, to shine a light in a dark world, and to preach the good news of God's kingdom. To those whom others rejected, Jesus accepted. I want you to consider the mission of Jesus, but I also want you to consider the ministry of Jesus. You know, Jesus opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He caused the mute to speak. He touched leopards. He healed leopards. He touched and healed people that nobody else would dare touch. He took a small piece of bread and a little bit of fish, and he multiplied it to feed over 5,000 men, women, and children. Jesus walked on water. Jesus rose people from the dead. And here's the deal. His critics didn't dispute these miracles. No, they wanted him to stop doing these miracles because Jesus was gaining a following. The people that were following Jesus, they believed he was God because only God could do those kinds of miracles. And there are people in this church that are a miracle, the mission and ministry of Jesus. You know, stick around Rockbrook and you will see Jesus' miracles. In fact, this Sunday at 1.30, we're hosting our very first uh, Dream Team Rally. What is the dream team? The dream team is made up of 368 people that are a miracle, the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. They went through the growth track events, and they took 101, 201, 301, and 401. When they got to 401, they picked a ministry to serve in. Why did they do that? Because of the ministry of Jesus. They're, they're, they're thankful for what Jesus has done for them. They just want to give back. These dream teamers are the people that make Rockbrook happen over the weekend and throughout the week. They lead small groups. They greet. They take care of kids. They take care of the information table. They do admin stuff. They clean. They make your coffee. The Dream Team is made up of people that have had uh, bad habits, addictions, hurts in their life. There are, there, are married couples serving, there are married couples serving on the Dream Team that came through these doors with their marriage hanging on by a string and are now serving in a ministry together. There are people that were bankrupt and are now serving on the dream team, giving their time, talents, and treasure like crazy. Some were ready to give up on their life, and they're now they're now living for God's purposes on the dream team. If you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a you are a miracle of the mission and the ministry of Jesus Christ. You should give yourself a round of applause. You're a, you're a, you're a you're a miracle. So I want you to consider the mission and the ministry of the one who didn't come for the righteous but came for sinners. The one who didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. But I also want you to consider the resurrection of Jesus. Consider the resurrection of Jesus. You need to understand that God loves you, but he hates sin. That's why Jesus was born of a virgin. He didn't inherit the, the sin nature from an earthly father. He was without sin. So He was able to go to the cross and take our sin for us. Jesus is the only standard of being good enough. I don't want you to miss the power of this. On the cross, when the creation was mocking Him, uh, the creation was mocking the Creator when they had done their worst. They had beaten Him until He was unrecognizable. They drove stakes through His hands and through His heels. And they hung Him on on an instrument of torture. And Jesus with his arms stretched out, looks up to the Father and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he said, it is finished. It's done. I commit my spirit into your hands. And then three days later, the stone was rolled away from Jesus' grave, and the tomb was empty. Jesus wasn't there. Christians all around the world believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. The resurrection displays God's power over death and sin. And Peter said it this way in Acts 3.15. You killed the author of life. Help me out. What does he say next? But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Peter said that we are witnesses of this. Don't miss the power in this. There were witnesses that saw Jesus go to the grave and later saw him resurrected. There were eyewitnesses of this. Now, skeptics will say, well, the Roman soldiers stole the body. They took the body. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus' enemies would have loved to produce a body because if they had a body, they would have squashed Christianity right then and there. And then others will say, well, the disciples took the body. But if the disciples took the body, that meant that they had to overpower the Roman guards that were guarding the grave. And even if they had, you would still have the testimony of the Roman soldiers saying, hey, this is what happened, and we have no account of that. Then you have to ask yourself, do you really expect any rational person to believe that eleven small town men, fairly uneducated, devised the most elaborate scheme in the history of the world and were able to keep it a secret. All with no personal gain, they had nothing to gain from this, All of them, but one, lost their life because of their faith in Jesus Christ. The tomb was empty. He wasn't dead. He was alive again. You have to consider the resurrection of Jesus. You know, there was one disciple that doubted. What was his name? Thomas. Thomas doubted. He said, I'm not going to believe in the resurrection until I see Jesus for myself. And then Jesus shows up and he tells Thomas, he says, Thomas, touch my hands, Touch my side, Thomas. Stop doubting. And then the only one that doubted became the greatest evangelist to the, to the um, to India. And when they asked him to renounce his faith in the Savior Jesus in his Savior Jesus Christ, Thomas, the doubter, refused, and he was executed because of his faith. Why would he die for his faith if he doubted? Because he saw the resurrected Christ. Just consider the resurrection. The eyewitnesses were willing to die because they saw that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Consider the mission and ministry of Jesus, that He came for sinners like you and like me. Then finally, I want you to just ask, I just want to ask you to consider the eternal message of Jesus. I love the way Paul summarizes it in Romans 3.22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in who? Jesus Christ. We place our faith in Jesus Christ. It's by believing, by putting our trust in Jesus Christ, we are made right with God. And then it says, it is true for who? Everyone. Everyone. Everyone in this room who believes, no matter who you are. You know, religion is about me. Relationship is about Jesus. Religion is about, if I'm good enough, then God will love me. Religion is spelled, I want you to write this down on your outline, religion is spelled D-O, do. It's all about what you do. You work and you work and you work. It's spiritual disciplines, trying to be good enough. That's what all other religions are about. But Christianity is about a relationship. And relationship is spelled, write this down on your outline, D-O-N-E. It's done. It's finished. On the cross, Jesus said, I did what the Father sent me to do. It's finished. This is what sets Christianity Christianity apart from all other religions. You know, you may want to add something to it, but God says it's done. You may want to try and be better, but God says it's already done. You may want to add good works to it, but God says it's done, it's finished. It doesn't matter who you are, how bad you've been, or how good you think you are. God says it's done, it's finished. There is no other way. God sent his son. You have to consider his mission and his ministry. He came for sinners. Jesus died a brutal death on the cross, and he showed us his mighty power by raising himself from from the dead, and so you have to consider his resurrection, and then you have to consider the eternal message. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Being a good enough person, God never said that. Being sincere in what you believe leads to God, God never said that. All religions lead to God, God never said that. Let's look at this, this uh, verse in Matthew 7, 13-14 thir- in the NIV version first. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So take the narrow path. Take the one-way road. Take the road that offers a relationship, an eternal relationship with God the Father. Matthew 7.13 in the message version, I love this, says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, though crowds of people do. Consider Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, you can only come to one of three conclusions about our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, he is either... Lord and forgiver of sins or he's a lunatic he's a madman or he's a liar so you have to consider Jesus' mission and ministry consider his resurrection consider his message and there is only one conclusion Jesus is, is leader and forgiver of my life he's my Lord and Savior God said it is done it is finished God said that let's pray together Our Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are believers, and I pray that you would encourage us and give us the strength to keep strong despite what our culture says about you. And Father, I pray for those that are here today and have never put their faith in Jesus. I pray, Father, that that they would just consider Jesus today. And perhaps you're here today and you've considered Him and you said yes. I want Jesus in my life. If that's you, and you don't know what to do next, I just want you to pray this prayer with me, quietly in your heart, and just say, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for wanting me to be with you forever. I'm sorry for what I've I've done, that I've disobeyed and sinned against you. Thank you for taking my punishment for my disobedience. Please forgive me for what I've done wrong. I want you, Jesus, to be my Savior, forgiver, and my forever friend. I want to love you all the days of my life. Please help me to listen to you and obey you at all times. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.